0: How's that, John? Yeah. I want to share with you a vision I had this morning while we were singing praises. Um, I've mentioned before that the worship team, uh, I being a musician, really inspires me to uh, not only to praise God, but to, uh, to listen to the words of God more carefully, how powerful they are. Uh, it's, it's it drives me more to hear the words of God now than it does to hear a great melodic phrase on an electric guitar or an acoustic guitar or anything like that. And those of you that know me intimately, uh, you know what I mean and how many years it must have taken to do that by God's holy word. Uh, I'm so grateful. I had this vision of Tom Lay and Ashley Yertsey as two little children up there singing praises to God, and it was just overwhelming so uh and they're uh, cast together in this uh, role together this morning to lead you in praise and worship because tom's voice was uh, faltering and ashley who usually leads her own group and tom who leads his own group as a, a group of one uh, were thrown together in this mix and it just seemed like two little children praising god in all their innocence and uh for all his glory and it was just overwhelming so uh I was singing at the top of my lungs, and I apologize for those of you who heard that because I was singing not in key, not out of key, just loud. Okay. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm grateful to uh, and privileged to be able to preach to you today again. Uh, Pastor Eric has taken the week off, and uh, I apologize for those of you who came to hear Ecclesiastes preached again. I came to hear that, too, and then I discovered uh, that I was preaching. So... uh, Anyway, uh, hopefully I won't fumble too much for you. Um, And I get to preach to you today from the Word of God about the Word of God. And so it's especially thrilling for me to be able to do that. But for me to even go through a word of that, I'm going to need to pray now so that uh, the Holy Spirit will help us, help me in delivering the message and help you in being able to interpret the message. And so let's go to God in prayer. Almighty, glorious, and gracious Father, Help us now, help me now to preach your word with accuracy and excitement, with reverence for the words that are yours, caution for the words that are mine as I pray they will be of the Holy Spirit's guidance and with true love and rightful guidance for this congregation of both believers and unbelievers, that my end purpose will always be to bring you glory and that being to the praise of your glorious grace. Till our hearts, O oh Lord. Make the soil ripe and ready for the deliverance of this message. That they may be made to be fertile for a transformation that only can come from you. And may the lost be saved and the believer be encouraged to live out their faith and love for their God and for their fellow man. In the name of the one and only Lamb of God who brings salvation. In the name of Jesus Christ, I do pray. Amen. So, I've titled today's message, The Word Delivered Unto Salvation, because I wanted to drive home a statement that I made to you in my last message, and uh, since it was just three short months ago, I'm sure you remember every word of it, uh, and I haven't only preached one message, I'm sure you're hanging on every word, but that was back in Ephesians, uh, uh, and, I, and I preached from 2, uh, verses uh, 8 through 10, and... The statement that I made wasn't part of that message. The statement that I made was, you must hear the word of God preached in accordance with the scriptures in order to be saved. And when I went back and I listened to that, I went, wow, that's, that's pretty right there in your face. Uh, we know of, uh, and we teach here and we preach here, that babies who are taken right from the womb uh, in a sudden and tragic death are, are heaven bound. Uh, we know that people who are unintelligible are heaven-bound. That's what we preach here, and we have scriptures to prove that. I'm not going to develop that today, so forgive me if I've set you up for that. But as a cognizant human being, those of you who are going to be saved are going to be saved by hearing the words of the gospel or the word of God preach in according the scriptures, and I'm going to set out to prove that today. So from the dawn of time, God's words have given and taken away life from the very, very first words of Genesis to the very, very last words of the book of Revelation. They form the mountains and the trees, the grass, the hills, birds, sky, sea, some of that passing away, and the life is only temporal, but for human beings, life is eternal. We're the only creatures that are created to live eternally, either worshiping at God's feet after we pass from this physical life, or to be punished, eternal punishment, but still living eternally. And God's words are the ones are the things that have given that life. It's the means by which He delivers life. To us and to all things. So God's words are powerful. And in the early days, he spoke to man audibly, he spoke to Adam. And he spoke to Eve, and he spoke to Abraham, and he spoke to Moses, and he spoke to the prophets. And then later on, he spoke to his son, Jesus Christ, in the New Testament, out loud so that witnesses can hear. And some of those witnesses understood that it was God's voice speaking, and that they were his words. And others thought it was only thunder. And that's another sermon. But the truth is, is that God's words are the things that have given life to the entire universe from beginning to end. So it's, it's, it's a powerful thing, God's word. And today, um, we have God's word written down, but it is no less powerful. So I really struggle with anyone who does not take the word in on a regular basis, especially since that was me for so many years. So, uh, If I ever walk with you, if I'm one of the ones who gets to walk with you in time of trouble, forgive me if I get frustrated because I tell you that was me. I did not take in the word on a regular basis. And I believe this is the only thing that can heal you of your calamities, both physical and spiritual. So as I listened to the recording of my message, I just couldn't let it go, that statement that I made. I'm going to go back to it again. You must hear the word of God preached in accordance with the scriptures in order to be saved. So I'm going to go to Romans chapter 10 right now, uh, verse 17, and I'm going to read that back to you. And if you're in one of the the Bibles that are under the seats, uh, I want to say that's on page 615, but if it's not, it's on 614, so you'll be close either way. Uh, But you can turn to that in your Bibles. You can see that message also on the front of the bulletin. It says, you must hear, oh, excuse me. I want to go to Romans ten seventeen. I was going to read my statement again. So faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And that's the culmination of a number of verses that come right before that. Um, and those verses open up 10, 15 other sermons, which is what we all found out about when we started learning how to preach here, that you have to be careful how you develop a message because uh, there's so much to it. Uh, But again, you must hear the word of God preached in accordance with the scriptures in order to be saved. Um, So let's fast forward to... uh, um, Sorry, I got lost in my notes here. I'll just give that right to you, right up front. Uh, As I reveal evidence to back up the main point today, uh, I hope to do a couple of things. And these are my goals, not my main points in my sermon. Uh, First, it is to exhort the believer or to encourage you through the scriptures to educate you uh, so that you can give a competent account of the gospel to your neighbors or anyone you meet that they might be saved. That's my first goal in presenting the points of my sermon. And second, it will always be my aim to bring glory to God. And so these aren't in order of priority because you know that everything that we were made to do was to bring glory to God. But I want to bring glory to God by preaching to the lost today who are right here in this room uh, or the confused believer who's been walking around the churches for years and uh, you're participating in church activities and you're going to all the right clubs, all the right groups. You've learned to speak Christianese and you know to say glory to God and Jesus is the answer to everything, but but you're in doubt. You don't know if you're really saved. So I'm preaching to you today. That's going to be another priority. So if everybody's still focused on Romans uh, chapter 10, if I haven't distracted you too much from that, uh, I'd like to go to verses 8 to 17 right now. 8 to 17, if you'll turn in your Bibles. uh, It's right there on the same page in the Pew Bibles, if we want to call those Pews. Uh, And so I'm going to go ahead and read from Romans 10, beginning with verse 8. But what does it say? And it is referring to a scripture that happened earlier in verse 6. And the word it is referring to a phrase that says, the righteousness based on faith. So what does the righteousness based on faith say? And I'm going back to the quote now. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to go over that again without my interference again. But what does it say? So the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I I went over those scriptures to drive home that main point that you must hear the word of, of God preached in order to be saved scripture 13 for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved is not saying all we have to do is ask Jesus into our heart and we will be saved some of you have been through that ceremony I've been through that ceremony I'm also not saying that those of you who have made that statement are not saved I'm just saying that the word of God is what saved you That statement instead is referring to those who already call upon the name of the Lord. You're already saved. You're already born again. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved is a statement that is coming clean and saying that these people who are born again by grace through faith are calling upon the Lord for everything in life. They turn to him for everything. They turn to him in joy. They turn to him in sorrow. They turn to him for guidance. They turn to him when they're dying and they still praise his name. Those are those who are calling upon the name of the Lord. So if we're born again, the word of God in Scripture has already been planted in our hearts, according to the Scripture above. Let me say that again. If we're born again, the word of God in Scripture has already been planted in our hearts, and that's what I'm setting out to prove today. So let's break the statements above down a little little tiny bit. So righteousness, or salvation, based on faith, says that the words of God are near us. Now, that is those who believe. That's who this is referring to. In our mouths and in our hearts. Remember, we only get true faith because God has given it to us by grace, making us born again. That was the message that was in Ephesians 2, actually 1 to 10, but summarized in 2 8 to 10 when I preached last New Year's Eve. And I'm going to go into that a little bit in case those of you who missed it or can't remember every word. And that faith is given to us so we can understand and receive his word. That's what we've learned in the message from two eight to 10. So God gives grace through faith and faith through the hearing of God's gospel preached to us. It is God gives us grace through faith and faith through the hearing of of God's gospel preached to us. And so that summarizes today's statement. So faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we could ask a question of ourselves. So if the word of God is in our hearts and in our mouths, how did it get there? If the word of God is in our hearts and in our mouths, how did it get there? Let's read how. We're going to go and look at Romans 10 verse 13 right now. I'm going to read forward from 13 all the way through 17, and I'm going to skip some things again because those things that I would skip would deserve uh, a little bit more development, and I don't have the time to do that today. Um, so we're going to take a look at Romans 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Then the scripture goes on to say in verse 17, so faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. John Piper says of this previous passage of scripture that nowhere else in the Bible is there more clearly listed the steps by which we are to be saved. In verses ten seventeen, it says our faith and subsequently the grace that brought us that faith came through hearing the words of God, or in this case, specifically the words of the gospel. So the words of the gospel are how grace and faith are delivered to us. It's the means that God uses. That's all I need to know right there. End of sermon. Not really. Gotcha, Greg. We must hear the gospel preached in order to be saved. That's the main point. Let's track backwards a little bit. In verse 15, it says, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And then also a quote or a citation from Isaiah How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So we we must not only send preachers, and that is those who herald the good news publicly from a pulpit type of a situation, street preachers, church preachers, those who preach the good news are, are called heralders, and those are who are maybe more formally trained or who just study all day and night like some of us do in order to deliver that message to you publicly. But we're also called every Christian to give an account of the gospel, every single Christian. And you can read the backup for that in Matthew 28:18 to 20. Many of you know that one uh, by heart, even, or possibly in First Peter 3:15. So we recognize those who are public preachers, those are the ones who are sent. and we recognize them when we say, "How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news." So we recognize them with honor. And that's what we mean by how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So how we receive the gospel is through preachers. That's the way God wanted it to be. And through you as a neighbor to your unsaved neighbor or your fellow churchmate, your fellow worker. So you don't have to be a preacher And not everybody should proclaim to be a preacher, and that's a whole different sermon. But you do need to be able to give an account of the gospel. And so studying the word of God is an essential thing for the Christian. It's your lifeline. It's your survival. You receive the word of God into your heart, into that fertile soil, and it grows like a seed, an imperishable seed, we'll learn later on. And as it grows... You grow in love for your God and for your neighbor, unless you're just trying to become a know-it-all. And we have those in all the churches. We have those who are just intellectual in the word, and they study, and they go deeper and deeper and deeper. And they might even be saved, but they're not really exercising that faith in love. So when you exercise your faith in love, then you earn the clout to preach to your neighbor. So we're going to go back to 13 and 14 now. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord uh, will be saved. And how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? So the people who are calling on the name of the Lord get saved by hearing the gospel. And it says, how are they to call on him if they haven't heard it yet? So they hear it from preachers. Well, where do the preachers hear it from? They hear it from the words of God. So just as God spoke audibly at the very, very beginning of creation and all the way through audibly out loud to his son so that other people could witness, the words of God today are written down in the scriptures for us to hear preached and for us to read. So I'd like to give you an example of how the word of God preached and read brought salvation to a man who is probably thought of to you studiers as the most profound theologian of all times, Augustine. So from a lecture given by Bible teacher Steve Lawson at the Legioneers, I learned that Augustine, the great theologian of the early church, got saved after a lifetime of prayer from a godly mother. Some of you know that he was steeped in sexual immorality and the study of the occult, and he was so deeply embedded into this that He just couldn't find a way out. So his godly mother was praying for him for a lifetime. She even followed him when he went from country to country just to stay and be near him and pray for him in order to turn him from sexual morality and rebellion against God. So his turnabout happened like this when upon sneaking into church Sunday after Sunday and sitting in the back pews, by the way, to hear the great Italian preacher Ambrose speak, in order to gain a grasp, a better grasp upon public speaking and the language of the day, he became convicted of his own sin as he heard the gospel preached to him over and over again every week. He then wrote of his own accord that he, at age 32, while sitting in a garden meditating upon such things as the futility of his own life and how it had been, how it had been just worthless. He was chasing after sin. He overheard two children playing, and upon hearing one of them cry out, telelege, telelege, which in Latin means pick up and read, pick up and read. He picked up a Bible he had sitting next to him, opened it up, and read the first passage that he came to, which he said was Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14, which reads, not in reveling and drunkenness, nor in lust and wantonness, not in quarrels and rivalries. Rather, arm yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Spend no more thought on nature or nature's appetites. He wrote later on in his confessions, In that instant, as I came to the end of the sentence, that is verse 14, it was as though the light flooded into my heart and all the darkness was dispelled. In that moment, Augustine became born again. In an instant, it happens. You hear the word of God preached. And if you are being given that fertile soil by God that day, if that's the day that God leads you to his son to hear that gospel and understand it, that is receiving it through faith, you're born again instantly. We're not talking about sanctification here, which takes years, actually the rest of your life. That's your sanctification. We're not talking about working out your salvation. We're talking about you being transformed from a dead living being to a life eternal living being, being born again. And that's done when the words of the gospel are planted into your heart So we can tie the words from that example, pick up and read, pick up and read from the last example uh, as proof of my main point today, that one needs to hear or just read the words of the gospel in order to be saved. Uh, There's people sitting right here in this room, and, and I've spoken to them, who were saved just by reading the Bible. And to me, that's the same thing as being preached to from Paul, James, John, the Lord himself. And it's the same thing it's the words of God being delivered to your ears that make that soil fertile and instantaneously that imperishable seed takes root and begins to grow you're born again I'm going to give you some more scripture references which I'm not going to develop today, so these are those that you can just take note of and and check out at home and they are uh, they're basically along the same theme of god's words having life-giving power uh, first one of them is second Thessalonians 2 beginning with verses three going all the way to 14. Uh, one of my favorites is Jesus preaching in the book of John. To me, the book of John is a giant sermon coming from Jesus. and that's John 6 verse 63. Uh, also 1 Corinthians 1:17 1, and 2 two to 12 and that's just a few just to scratch the surface. It seems like every book I studied to give this message, had cross-referencing scriptures about how powerful the words of God are in our born-againness in delivering the scriptures in a way that give life and take it away. Uh, In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, and I'm going to quote this one, it says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures again, I'm going to say that, of his, that is God's own will, he brought us forth. And that phrase literally right here means gave birth to or gave life to. By the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So his words, the words that he delivered through the saints and the gospel preachers over the years is how He gave us new life. You see how essential it is that you hear the word preached and that you read the word daily. Also very commonly known scripture and in referring to the words of the gospel here, Paul says in his letter to the Romans, chapter one, beginning in verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. For faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So from faith, it's revealed from the faithful, the faithful words of God, first of all, and through the faithful preacher, for faith. That is for the ripening or the planting of the word that gives new life into the heart of the would-be believer. I just love that scripture. I have one more quote for you from 1 Peter 22 to 25. Having purified your souls for obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So this imperishable seed is not like the seed of man or the seed of woman that gives you your very, very first birth. And you've heard, you've heard the doctors and nurses and biologists talk about seed that is in a woman and getting ready for the planting of a newborn child. But this is the seed of eternal life that's being planted in you. And it says you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. In this case, it's the gospel, the living and abiding word of God. So this is a living, breathing document and not to be taken lightly, not to be put on your shelf and and, and collecting dust until that time when you need God, the paramedic, um, John Piper says you, you're not to treat God like he's some sort of a paramedic waiting until you're in an emergency situation and then you come calling. And that is not to say that we don't have times where we need to go and walk with somebody who is more astute and more, uh, more f- founded in the scriptures, uh, wiser than we. We all have times of that. I've had times of that. You're going to have times of that where you need to walk with somebody who basically teaches you how to walk through these scriptures and how essential they are in your daily living, let alone being born again. So what do we do with this fact? Oh, I skipped one, and I I really want to tell you this. (laughs) So John Piper puts it in this way in one of his commentaries. God makes the word his instrument in the new birth, and the way the word works in the new birth is By awakening faith, God causes the new birth through the word or the word delivered to you or the word preached to you. Again, God makes his word his instrument in the new birth and the way the word works in the new birth is by awakening faith, God causes the new birth through the word. So what are we going to do with this fact? I'll say in conclusion, but I've got a little bit to go here. I'm, I'm not going to make the five minutes that Greg promised to you. Maybe that might be the benediction, but uh, anyway, what do we do with this fact? Um, it seems like we who are believers should have known this. We should have heard all of these scriptures. Some of them are very, very commonly preached, but I myself have just glanced over them on many, many occasions. I've looked, yes, that sounds so righteous, The holy word of God but did we pay close attention to it? Did we pay close attention to how the word of God actually planted the living seed in our heart and in our body that we might be born again? Well, for one thing, I want to, uh, as I said at the very, very beginning, what we do with this is we exhort the believer. Um, We want them to be educated in the way of scriptures, and there's not enough of us reading the scriptures every day. And I do mean every day. Um, I, I heard John Piper once say, 15 minutes a day, what's that? Well, I was knocked to the floor when he said that because I was thinking 30 minutes a week. I, I I read him twice this week, what more do you want from me? Well, it's not what more do you want from me, it's what does God see in you? Are you paying attention to him? Are you reading the words of scripture? so that you know your God more, so that you'll love him more, so that in turn you'll love your neighbor as your own self? Or are you just reading so that you can say you know them? Are you reading so that you can memorize them? That's a good thing. It's a good thing to memorize them. It's one of the ways God writes the scriptures on our heart in modern day. But are you actually taking them in and saying, Lord, I love you. I can't believe you saved me. Especially me. Some of you weren't like me. You weren't criminals against God and the state. You were just criminals against God, and you don't even want to be thought of that way. You're churched your whole life. I'm not a criminal. Well, the word says you're in rebellion against God. So you should be humbled by that seed being planted. That's what we want you to know as a believer. That's what we want you to be encouraged to believe. And as you're humbled, you can share that with a neighbor. We want you to be able to do that. We want you to become competent believers. I'm going to back that up with 2 Timothy 3.16. A lot of you know that one by heart, and I have a little bit to go so you can look that one up anyway. We want to be encouraged to live holy lives, be able to give a competent account of the gospel and its saving power while faithfully sharing the account of that gospel to our neighbors so that they might be saved. Backing that up also again with Matthew twenty eight eighteen to 20 And on a side note... Some of us need to get busy loving our neighbors properly so that we can have that gospel to share. Otherwise, it has no clout. This gospel is supposed to be changing your lives. And if you've been a believer for a while and you're ignoring the word, chances are you're not a very good neighbor. I can almost guarantee it because the way we become a good neighbor is to read how. There it is right there. What about non-believers? There are some of you in this room. We're not pointing a finger when we say this. We're, we're pointing in mercy. We're pointing, this is God's grace when we say we know that some of the non-believers are in this room. What about you? What is the goal that I promised for this? Well, it's so that you will receive this gospel. Or maybe you've never recognized that by receiving the gospel, you became born again. Maybe you are born again. Maybe you're one of those confused believers who doesn't read the word and you're walking around here and you really don't know if you're saved. Well, you may be in a category of non-believers who are ignorant in that way because you've had poor teachers. I remember sitting in a church for a year of Sundays not hearing the gospel preached. We didn't even know we weren't hearing the gospel preached until this young spry guy came and started preaching to us at this other church, and we all know what happened to him, actually. So that would be Pastor Eric, in case some of you don't know the history there. Uh, and we were convicted, and we were some of us were knocked down, and the wind were knocked out of us. As Eric even confessed from the pulpit, we, we were freaking out. Are we saved? We don't know. Uh, we started to go home, and we started to read our Bibles when we started to hear that kind of preaching. And I'm so grateful that the pastors that are being trained up here are being trained under that kind of teaching. That everything that we do is by the scriptures. And if you were a fly on the wall at an elders meeting, you would know how concerned your pastors are for each and every one of you. And it's always in accordance with the scriptures. We always look past what's going on with you physically because we want you to be alive eternally. And you can't really say you love somebody unless you want that for them. It's one of the ways we learn to love our neighbors as ourselves. We want to look beyond that temporal life. And we want to be able to look in that person's face, some of which we call friends and say we care about you eternally. And the way we do that is by living life by the scriptures. If you're doing that, you'll be respected. It says... Even by your enemies, they may not be saved, but you'll be respected. And when you're respected, you'll have earned that clout to preach the gospel to them. The gospel has power in and of itself. The words of the gospel, totally and completely empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That's how you can be confident as a believer when you're preaching to a non-believer. So, for you non-believers, here it is. Veritas, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to be reading to you from verses 1 to 10, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you today. And those of you who know that uh, that term, preaching the gospel, you'll know that we can go through the whole Bible. We can take the whole Bible to preach the gospel to you, and we should, and you should read it. Because it's scattered throughout The entirety of God's word. And the gospel is the good news. The gospel is the good news. So I'm starting with Ephesians 2, chapter 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's for you believers. For you non-believers, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. This means you're unable to come to God on your own. You don't have fertile soil. It means you're not transformed yet. And now for both the believer and the unbeliever, following the prince of the power of the air. That's a nickname for Satan, the devil. Now at work in the sons of disobedience, that's the unbeliever, among whom we all once lived. That's the statement that takes the wind out of our pointing fingers. We can't point to the non-believer and say, you, 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 immoral, immoral, immoral. Because we were all there. No one is better than the other, apart from the grace of Jesus Christ. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. For you unbelievers, children of wrath means you are destined to, for destruction, and we were all destined for destruction. Pastor Eric, Pastor Curtis, Pastor Greg, myself, everybody in this room was destined for God's wrath because of sin. Sinful character, not a single sin, for those of you that came from other religions, but sinful character passed on to you from the very, very first man. But God, I'm going to go on to say now, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Or he may make you alive together, unbeliever, with Christ. I'm going to go on to verse 8 where I'm going to say, For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Just a real brief going back to New Year's Eve sermon. By grace through faith, it is not your own doing. Grace is God's undeserved, unmerited favor that he gives to you because he does. He doesn't need a reason. We don't have to fully understand the reason. When he gives you his grace to save you, it's because he loves you. You didn't earn it, didn't do enough good works, you weren't religious enough, you didn't say the right things, not even Jesus, please come into my heart. It's a beautiful prayer confession, by the way, as long as you're already saved and you understand that. I say it every day. Got to wake me up again, Lord. Wake up in sin, thought, anxiety. Jesus, come into my heart, overpower that sin. But it's not in order to invite salvation, because you can't invite it. God changes your heart before that happens. You see, God the Father sent his only son to earth to become man, to live a perfect life. Jesus came as the Son of God. Even you unbelievers probably have heard this. And he lived a perfect life so that he became a ransom for us. Blemishless. He was the money that bought our new life, that bought us from slavery of death. And he was sent to be crucified for us, hung on a cross. And in doing so, he took every sin of every man in the whole world with him. But this truth is only applicable for all of those who would or will become believers. That could be confusing. So you can talk to us about that. So that we all might be saved. That's the gospel in a nutshell. You don't deserve it. You're born sinful. But God, because of his mercy and grace, by which he loved all of us, sent his son to die for us. And Ephesians 2, 1-10 is what explains all of that. If you've never known God, specifically if you've never known the person of Jesus Christ, and either think you've just been born again today, recently, or you want some more information about these life eternal facts, See one of the pastors today. You got Pastor Curtis here today, Pastor Eric here today, Pastor Greg here today, you got myself here today. And there are other very astute, knowledgeable gospel teachers here in this room. Come up and see one of us today. Don't let another day go by. If you're just somebody who you're uncertain about this Christian thing and you know you need to change your life, come up and talk to me today. Would you do that? Remember being there? You're here. We believe everything is done on purpose by God. We believe all things are from God here. And you are here. So you are here to hear the gospel today, whether you reject it or whether you receive it if you're an unbeliever. So come up and talk about that. I reject it, Jeff. Okay? Let's talk about that. Let's pray now. Holy and life-giving Father, creator of the whole universe, true giver of eternal life through the death Resurrection and subsequent grace through your holy word. Grant us peace. Peace between you, Father, and the unbeliever. Peace between the believer and his neighbor that we might freely share the gospel in accordance with your wishes and commands. I pray that the words of your true and living gospel will reach the hearts of the people here now today and save the lost. Encourage the saint to save their neighbor. And most of all, give you the glory that you righteously deserve. As we come together around your table now, forgive our sins, almighty and gracious God, and cause us to remember that this is no ordinary meal. We remember your son's sacrifice as we come to you today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray, amen.